0: Welcome to The Best is Net to Come. My name is Josh, and I'm joined as always by Michael Rubenstein and frequent listener and frequent contributor to the podcast, Zachary Nassiolo. Zach, it's great to have you. Thanks for coming.
1: As always, it is a pleasure to hang out with my uh, two favorite fellow Net fans.
0: Hell yeah. Now, we have, we're going to start off with the, the breaking news of today, LaMarcus Aldridge Brand new net. Had only played a few games with us. He retired today after playing with an irregular heartbeat on Saturday. Um, That is a very serious situation. Uh, From my personal experience, I knew a guy I I used to work with who had a regular heartbeat, and he had to actually get an invasive surgery called an ablation to make sure that he uh, did not die. So it's a very serious problem, Mike. How does this make you feel, and where does this leave the Nets right now?
2: The first thing I felt when I heard this news was, like, this is why people like Stephen A. Smith shouldn't, like, fly off the handle when guys miss games, and you don't know why. Like, Kyrie's got his stuff, and more often than not, it seems like Kyrie kind of has a good reason for missing a game, and then, like, maybe he just doesn't handle his communication well. Aldridge was listed as non-COVID-related illness, and, you know, no one really knows what that means. That could He could have just... Had a regular flu or whatever uh so when this news came out initially and there was a lot of controversy over how shams actually reported this first he just tweeted like aldridge is retiring with no context and then that leads people to be like you know what the hell and they started jumping to conclusions and then it wasn't until a little later that it came out about his health problem um when he actually was the one to release his statement i think on instagram so I think the overall last couple of days of media just haven't been uh, handling things well. I thought Aldridge's statement was very like heartfelt and emotional, and I felt bad for him. He's been in the league for 15 years, so at least he had a long career where he was able to play his best basketball. But as a Nets fan, it's obviously disappointing. He looked very good up until the Drummond game, and we're hearing now, during that game, he was having this problem. So I think we all, as Nets fans, when we were watching this, we're like, why does Aldridge look so bad tonight? And we all jumped to conclusions. We're like, oh, man, he's washed, like he's old. And meanwhile, here he is playing with a a potentially life-threatening problem. So it was just a tough day for Nets fans. But obviously, the first concern is his health. Like This is the kind of thing you hear about once every couple of years a player drops dead on a court because they didn't know about a heart problem that they had. So thankfully, that didn't happen. Uh, he didn't collapse like there was no serious issue. So yeah, I'm happy thankfully. for him. His health matters. Obviously, he needs to be with his family. Good for him. Congrats to LaMarcus Aldridge on what is arguably a Hall of Fame career. I know there's going to be a lot of debates of that over the next couple of years because some people will be for it. Some might say right. not quite, but I'm on the fence well, myself. 50/50.
0: He's got the accolades. He had a very, very destructive game. You know, he he could kill anyone in the post. Yeah. He has multiple All Stars, uh, multiple playoff appearances. You know, he's been yeah. on a couple contenders. You know, he, some of those Spurs teams were pretty good. Some of the when he was running with Ka- Kawhi, when he was running with Dame Lillard, those were good teams. But I don't know. I guess that's not really the point of all this. The point, like you said, is just that he's he's going to take time for himself. He's not going to risk his life to play yeah. basketball, and no one should be risking their life to play basketball. Zach, what what are your thoughts getting the news today about Lamarcus? Shock. Absolute shock when you guys
1: texted me today. Uh because unfortunately I had a very busy day. Um but yeah, I was literally just like happened to like look at my phone and think I was like an hour late to the conversation. I just see like, Oh, Lamarcus Aldridge retired. I was just like Stop the car. What? Uh and then finding out, you know, there was a heart condition, it was just crazy and it's sad because um I would say like Between him and Blake, I mean, just based off of their play, Aldridge really looked promising. It looked like he was going to be a huge contributing factor to this team moving forward and moving into the playoff picture. And the fact that we are going to be down a big man, which we, you know, really need it in the first 20 games of this season, um, it it stinks. But some things are bigger than basketball, and it's it's really a shame that he has stepped away from the game because of health issues. Um, With that being said... um, It's a question for you two guys, because you're a little bit more well-versed in basketball. I mean, how many years do you have to play in the NBA to be considered for the Hall of Fame? Oh, you you think play 10 or
0: or 12 years. Yeah, he's played enough.
1: He's He's played played enough, you think?
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's played more than enough. And I think now, you know, it's being considered is very easy. I think a lot of guys are very easily being considered for the Hall of Fame. And you're going to see votes for him from someone, someone, maybe some people in Portland, some people in, in San Antonio are going to be voting for him. I don't know if he'll make it because I've seen guys similar to his career, like a guy like um, Chris Weber, for example, who has still yet to make it. Um, those kind of guys sometimes don't really make it, especially if they don't have like ring. They don't have that sort of like significant success. Um, but I definitely I mean, he's going to be on a ballot. I don't know if he's going to actually make it, but he's going to be on a ballot when he's available, for sure.
1: And my second question is, I mean, let's talk about this. How does this affect the Nets moving forward with less than 20 games left in the regular season, uh, moving towards the playoffs? What do we think is going to happen?
2: The Nets are fortunate that they didn't overreact and, like, buy out DeAndre Jordan as soon as Aldridge started playing well, because then we'd be in real trouble. I know we don't like DeAndre Jordan for the most part as he contributes to the Nets, but he's still a body. He's still showing he can go out there and, and dunk lobs. So when Harden comes back, I think the offense will be okay. I don't think we're going to see any, like Aldridge was like a luxury. It was like, Oh, now we have a guy who can hit a mid range jump shot. A guy who can draw a double team. Like that was just obnoxious almost to have that much offensive, a firepower. So the Nets will miss him offensively that much. It's going to be defensively and it'll provide more opportunities for Claxon. It'll, uh, Maybe Jeff Green will just have to play differently. Blake Griffin. In, in a playoff series where they don't have back-to-backs uh, and you don't have to rest, I think the Nets will figure it out. Uh, just getting through this last stretch of season where guys have to rest, uh, it'll be a little tricky for Nash to manage. But it's definitely a tough loss. But it's not like it's um, you know, the end of our championship hopes, I don't think. Yeah, no, it's,
0: it's just unfortunate because, yeah, like you said, Zach, he was looking really promising. I love his shooting game. I love that he can hit threes. You know, a guy like DeAndre Jordan's not a threat from anywhere except right underneath the basket. And even then, you know, he's got, like, brick hands. So it's tough. But I do think that DeAndre will be passable. Um, and actually, watching last night's game again this morning proved to me that, yeah, he can be when he wants to be pretty passable as a center. So the Nets lost to the Sixers last night. They lost, I think it was 123-117 close game they really made it close in the fourth quarter Kyrie was elite last night was absolutely insane he had 20 by the half he was he had I think 37 at the end of the game 37 3 and 9 he was playing all by himself no KD no anyone actually like half the team sat and he uh he only played 33 minutes he barely played in the fourth quarter But in the fourth quarter, they sat him around the nine or ten minute mark and they put out TLC, Alizé Johnson, Bruce Brown, Claxton and Shamit. That was the starting five going into like the ten minute mark of the fourth quarter. And at that point, the Nets were pretty much like surrendering because it was like, all right, you know, they've got a it was like 15 point lead at that point. The Sixers have always had a leg up this whole game anyway because they have a healthy team and the Nets don't. So it's fine. We're going to lose whatever. But. With about eight left, the Nets are down 22. And still, somehow, after six and a half minutes, less than two minutes left, it's a three-point game. They even brought Embiid back into the game. They brought Ben Simmons back into the game. They did not bring Kyrie back into the game. The Nets kept him on the bench for the rest of the game. They let those guys finish it. They didn't get the win, but they played really well, those guys. Bruce Brown at 14. Alizé Johnson had a near double-double, 8-8. Shammott had 17. And King Clown himself, DeAndre Jordan, was 12 and 14. So, I know that these sort of games don't mean a lot. Uh, You know, there was this comment that Danny Green made that made a lot of sense where he said that sometimes big teams playing big competition, they'll, they'll not play their guys to kind of punk them so that they don't know what to expect when they see them in the playoffs. Mike, do you think that what the Nets did in that fourth quarter with those B team guys that were always kind of dogging in a lot of ways. Do you think that that made you feel a little more comfortable about a Nets Sixers matchup in the playoffs?
2: No. That is <laughs> not going to No, that's not that's not going to make me feel any more comfortable. That game last night for me honestly, there's no takeaways that matter for a potential playoff matchup. I think what matters is those guys get more confidence for themselves but they're not going to be playing those types of minutes in that situation in a playoff series. I think the coolest part of that whole run was Kyrie's body language on the bench. Kyrie could have easily turned around and been like, oh, why wasn't I in? Like yelling at Nash, like mad that he didn't get to go back like Simmons and M B did. And he was the total opposite uh, with all of his postgame comments. And on the sideline, he was out there cheering with KD. Like he was like, no, those guys played hard. They earned that opportunity to, to close that game. And that's such a cool thing, especially because the media just loves to shit on Kyrie. Like he's proving once again he's not a bad teammate. He's he's there for good reasons. He's a good spirited guy. So I think that's my big takeaway is just team chemistry uh, and vibes. But no, I don't see Alize Johnson playing in the fourth quarter in a playoff series or you know TLC out. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna be out there when it matters. But it's cool for a storyline like just to feel good about ourselves. Because we were going to lose that game no matter what last night. Like, none of us yeah. expected to win that. So, moral victory. The Sixers have to be feeling kind of shitty about themselves.
0: Right. I well, think. going to turn to you and say that, Zach, yeah?
1: Go I ahead. was going to say, I think this is the probably one of the most controversial finishes to a game we've had all year. Because, uh, let me play devil's advocate here. We're playing for the one seed to be locked up. Your bench takes a game that was completely out of reach, brings it within three. Why not bring the starters back in and go for the win when you're competing for the one seed in the, uh, you know, in the Eastern Conference? To me, it, like, I, I completely understand like Nash defended his decision and said you know, that the, they brought us back. They deserve to be in that position. However, this is a winnable game. You win this game, you basically almost have a two-game lead. In the East, because now you're looking at, because they lost this game, if they end the season tied with the Sixers, Sixers are getting the one seed. Right. So they basically just punt it. And to me, it's a little concerning simply because it's almost like a cocky, like, you know, we don't really care about the regular season. One seed, two seed, three seed. We don't care. Let's see what happens in the playoffs. Who knows what the injury status of this team is going to be. I personally believe the Nets need every advantage they can. They only played, what, seven games total so far with our big three this year. Who knows if they're going to gel in the playoffs. I think because the bench got into three, they should have put starters back in. and should have tried to go for the win. Um, Nash did say that his thought process was, he wanted to get one of the two wins, right, because they got changed to a back-to-back because of the cancellation on Monday, and he figured that Minnesota, he could do that. Knowing Carl Anthony is was not playing, my personal opinion, I think you rest KD for that game. I think our bench could beat the Timberwolves without Carl Anthony Towns very easily, and you play your studs against the Sixers. I also get the – The the point of where they're saying, oh well, it's strategy, right? Like Danny Green talked about, oh maybe strategy. You don't want to throw too much at them. At the end of the day, this is a team that has been notorious for being bad and choking for how many years now. Like I think we need every advantage we can get. Um, As a Nets fan, I want the one seed. I you want the easiest possible way to the finals. And for me personally. I felt like when you get that game within three points, you put your studs back in, right? It was only two minutes left in the game. Like, would it really have been that backbreaking to put the stars in for two more minutes? I don't think so. I think you go for the win there.
2: Yeah, my my only counter really quickly to that, Zach, is I'm looking at the box score. And even though Kyrie had a sensational game, like, numbers-wise for himself, he was minus 13 in the plus-minus. Like, he when he was on the floor, they were getting beat. Joe Harris was having an awful game. Joe Harris— Uh, didn't hit a three, he had six points and then maybe Jeff green, maybe he's the one you want to talk about, but just in a basketball situation like that, where there's the momentum, it's just tough in, uh, in heat of the moment to say, you know what, let's break all of the momentum we have and let's try to get Kyrie back. And we've talked about before Kyrie makes some bad decisions at the end of, at the end of games, um, which I have said on this podcast. It's a really tough decision. I, actually, I I, do see what you're saying. Like, it makes sense for any fan to say, why isn't Kyrie back in this game? But I understand for for the situation they were in. I didn't get to watch the game live, um, unfortunately. I just wanted to watch all the highlights and read about it. But, like, there's something there that Kyrie was minus 13. Like, something must have been going wrong. Maybe he wasn't helping getting any stops. And the guys on the floor were playing better defense. I don't know. But with that being
1: said, I think the three of us can agree that, like, walking away from that game,
2: if you're a Sixers
1: backer, right, I think you probably feel very uneasy about how yeah. that game finished. Yeah. Um, Realistically, like, you know, the Nets will have a harder path to the finals if they do wind up with the two seed. But, you know, if the Sixers play the Nets in the playoffs, I'd be a little concerned being that the bench made
2: it that close. Yeah.
0: Ah. So it does come full circle. We are we are happy for the bench. Well, I, I want to applaud them for standing up. And, you know, the Nets are, went from being one of the deepest teams in the league like a week ago to really having some some more questions to answer with now LaMarcus being gone. Chioza just got a surgery on his hand. They're going to need potentially help with the big guys, but even more so, Mike, like you were saying, help. The, we need a backup point guard. We don't really have a good pa- backup point guard right now. Tyler Johnson's not playing. Chios is not playing. Is Tyler Johnson in? I don't think he is. No, he's still out, right?
2: He's still out, yeah.
0: So, yeah, that, it's tough right now. Like, um, when Kyrie's not on the floor, who's bringing the ball up? Is it Shamit, I guess? Shamit's their guy. I don't really like him as a point guard. He's not really – he doesn't really play point guard that well, I think. He's really just a sh- spot-up shooter. I don't know. We're, we're in a tough situation. Dinwiddie, man, if you can listen to us, please keep <laughs> – Keep working on that knee because we're going to need you back. Like a week ago, uh, two days ago, I was talking to Mike about how I don't know if I want you back because that might be bad for us. Uh, If you get hurt again, that just looks – it's a really bad look. But it looks at this point like we really need a backup point guard. All right. Dude,
1: it's going to be Alizé Johnson.
0: Alizé Johnson? What is he like? Does he have four positions on the court now? He's a shooting guard, small forward, power forward. He's the net savior this year. Yep. I like Alizé. Really, he does deserve um, – the. actually, he probably deserves a little more than what he got uh, in his uh, $4 million deal. I forget how many years it's for. It's like two or, three million, uh, two or three years. So good for him. Got signed by the Nets. That's nice. So around the league, last night there were some crazy things that happened. First, I'll start with the fact that Steph Curry had 11 threes and three quarters. Now, I feel like when you are coming close to breaking a record, like a three-point record, and you have 11 threes going into the fourth quarter. I know you're like completely destroying the other team, but like go for the record, man. When, when Clay Thompson had his 14 threes, didn't they destroy that team that day? Like whoever the fuck they were playing.
2: I think that was also in three quarters though.
0: He did that in three quarters too?
2: I, I think um, he did. Yeah.
0: So that's really where the record is. It's like it's not even about like doing it in four. It's like you got to do it in three if you want to be considered the real right. record holder.
2: We we talked about this a lot yesterday with our friends, man. You don't want to get your guys hurt. It's not worth it. If Curry went out there in the fourth quarter to go for the record and got hurt, it would be all, you know, it would be terrible. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
0: Oh, well. Okay, the more important one that happened was that Luca had this incredible buzzer beater, and he's the usurper king, Mike. He is the new floater king with that three. Uh, Mike, you watched the game. Why don't you break it down for us? What exactly happened going into those final
2: seconds for the Grizzlies versus the Mavs? Well, I can't believe I was even watching this live. I think I just had it on in the background as I was doing nothing on my phone, so I was watching it. And the crazy thing was for me, the Grizzlies were the home team. They had control of the game pretty much the whole game and fourth quarter. And they kept showing shots of Mark Cuban in the stands looking frustrated. Doncic looking frustrated. Uh, everything was going right for the Grizzlies. So the Mavericks make a little bit of a run. And they're down by three. And Luka gets fouled in a two-point shot. So he can't tie the game yet. And there's only like four seconds left. So his coach, they, they show on the broadcast, like Carlisle's mouthing, like, make both. don't Don't miss on purpose. Because there's different strategies at the end of the game. Right. So he, We just yeah. saw the
0: Celtics miss on purpose two nights ago against the, the Blazers,
2: yeah. and that actually ended up working for them. Yeah. So he makes the first one, but he accidentally misses the second one. He wasn't trying, but he missed the second one. So they're still down by two, and Grayson Allen gets the rebound. And Grayson Allen is a 91% free-throw shooter. So everyone's like, okay, game's over. They're going, they're showing Mark Cuban again. Doncic is, like, super pissed at himself. He's so competitive, he, like, hates when he makes mistakes. Everyone thinks the game's over. Grayson Allen misses both free throws, which is, like, unheard of. So now the Mavericks have the ball down just two with 1.8 seconds left. Not a lot of time. Doncic catches the ball and, stumbling, just chucks it up as he's falling forward. It goes in at the buzzer, and no one knows if it's game over or if it's overtime. So, like, Luke is celebrating. The Mavericks are celebrating. But the Grizzlies are all kind of, like, waiting, like, okay, it's overtime. But then on the replay, you can see he just kept his foot behind the line. And, like, it's just game over. And because there's no fans, it felt kind of anticlimactic. The ref is the one who goes over and says to the camera, like, it's a three, game's over. But it was just amazing. The shot he hit, the situation, like, they really had no business being in the game. And it was so bad that John Morant immediately went to Twitter before, like, (laughs) taking a shower. Just to say, like, no one make fun of my teammates talking about probably Grayson Allen for missing the free throws. Like if you don't like my teammates, you don't like the Grizzlies. Blah blah blah. So it was just very emotional. Crazy finish. Crazy shot by Luca uh, in a game they really had no business winning on the road. Amazing. Yeah, and it's yeah, actually let's talk about
1: how much John game. Morant's fantasy
0: values <laughs> stinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are going to talk about that, Zach, because I have a I have a good point about fantasy in general. But it's a tough game for the the Grizzlies to lose. They're they're currently in the play in tournament. You know and obviously the Mavericks are currently in the play-in tournament still as well. Um, they had a lot of gripes about that earlier in the week. But if they keep winning games, if Lucas keeps doing magical things at the end of games, uh, they can find their way into the sixth seed. From what yeah. I've read, uh, the Mavs have a pretty easy schedule moving forward, and the Blazers do not. The Blazers have a tough-ass schedule for the last part of the season. So there is a definitely a possibility of the Blazers swapping with them and ending up again in the play-in tournament at this as the seventh seed. Mm-hmm. They had a couple heartbreakers. Uh, they had that heartbreaker against the Celtics. They lost that one. They they've been losing. They got they got completely destroyed by the Heat earlier in the week. Blazers gonna get it together, and um, the Mavs are coming for them because they have this new like renewed uh, kind of I don't know. I guess they're just really riding that of magic. Yeah. We've noticed that you were right. You were absolutely correct about the trades. All of the trades that were made during the trade deadline, the one that might have been the most impactful was indeed the Ray- Rajon Rondo trade to the Clippers. They have not lost a game since R- uh, Rondo has joined the team. What does Rondo give this Clippers team that Lou Will did not? And what has he shown to have changed about them?
2: Uh, The two things that Rondo gives you, his two biggest strengths, are defense and playmaking. Lou Williams does not play defense, and he is a score-first guard. He does not make plays for others unless he gets double-teamed. So Rondo's pretty much the polar opposite kind of point guard from Lou Williams. And when the Clippers are pretty stacked offensively, like Paul George can get 30 any night, Kawhi Leonard can get 30 any night, Morris can score, Zubox can score, Uh, Batum they got so many guys canard that can hit shots all Rondo has to do is go out there and just find who's open and play defense he's a very smart basketball player arguably one of the most smart basketball players we've seen in this generation if you listen to his teammates talk about him and his coaches Uh, he's very intense he's going to keep guys uh, in line hold them accountable he's a leader Uh, he's got championship pedigree he's he's amazing I don't like Rajon Rondo as a former, like, rival on the Celtics. Uh, and then even winning with the Lakers last year, like, I don't like Rondo, but I respect the hell out of him, what he brings to a basketball team. The Clippers in and in a Lakers matchup will be very interesting. Uh, I know, I don't like to agree with Skip Bayless on anything, but Skip Bayless has been saying now for a couple of weeks how, like, the Clippers are the favorite in the West because of Rondo. And I agree. That's, that's what I said as soon as they made the trade.
0: Strong words. Mm. I mean, you're right, Mike. He is just a brilliant guy. He's just so smart with the ball. He knows exactly what to do. He knows more than like most coaches in the league, I feel like, Rondo. Yeah. Like, he really should retire to become a coach. I, whoever gets him is going to be getting an elite like mind of the game who just knows exactly where the ball should be at all times. But we'll see if they can pull it off because there's a ton of pressure on the Clippers to perform. Especially on Paul George, for what the happened. What happened last year was just so scarring that I, don't think, any, I don't think any. Yeah, I don't think anyone is really thinking the Clippers are going to make even the Western Conference Finals because of what they did last year. They have to prove it in the playoffs. They have to be elite in the playoffs. Same thing with the Bucks. It's it's like the Bucks and the Clippers are uh, are both in the same situation. Giannis could. Get 30 and 20 every night. It wouldn't matter a fucking thing. He ha- they have to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and not get destroyed again, like they did last time, two two years ago. All right, well, next quick uh, thing here. So the three of us, Mike, myself, and Zach, we are all currently in a playing tournament of our own design in our fantasy league. It's the second to last week. Uh, we're all in the top seeds. Each of us could either make or potentially miss the playoffs if we have a greater terrible week. I think Zach you might be safe. I think you're probably going to make it. But uh, Mike and I, I don't
1: know. Now that uh now that uh Greg Chuba
0: actually started his lineup this week, I'm in danger. I don't know. I think you'll be okay. I looked at your stats. You you should at least get a 6-3. But what I want to talk about for the pod is that because we constantly are following fantasy and we're constantly looking at guys stats, looking at numbers, We notice a lot of guys in the league based on their numbers that are never talked about in any sort of highlight reel because they don't do things that fascinating, you know? Like they're not out there like dunking it crazily or or like getting like crazy threes or anything. So I want us to show some love to some of our favorite unsung fantasy heroes. Mike, Zach, are there any guys that come to mind to you that are fantasy studs that now that the season's almost over, you want to like do a shout out for?
2: All right. Uh, I'm just looking at my own team. Cause obviously we, we keep track of our own players more than other people's players. So I think the biggest one for me all season has been Terry Rozier. And I know Terry Rozier gets a little bit of love on social media because the Hornets announcers are like the most ridiculous announcers of all time. Whenever the Hornets do anything, but Rozier's numbers have been really solid and The reason why I want to give him some love is no one drafted him. He went undrafted, and I picked him up the first game of the season. I think he scored like 44 points and hit like eight threes. So I grabbed him like mid-game because you're allowed to do that in fantasy basketball. I couldn't start him, obviously. Uh, And he's stayed on my team the whole season. I haven't had any time to give up on him. He had a couple rough stretches here and there like any players will do. But he's been a real stud, and if I do make the playoffs, I think I owe a lot to Terry Rozier. Nice.
0: Zach, anyone uh, on your team that you – other than obviously the main stars, anyone on your team? I guess you know what? You want to talk about LaMelo Ball?
1: I was going to say I'll talk about two people, and they're on the same team. Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball have All Hornets. (laughs) Have put me in a position I did not expect to be in. I believe I literally put in our fantasy chat when I drafted Gordon Hayward like, ugh, like, whatever. I'll just take this chance and hope to God doesn't get hurt. Well – the good news is is he lasted, I believe, uh, 13 weeks before he got hurt. But the man was putting his team on his back, and LaMelo Ball I also drafted. I actually reached on him a little bit, and uh dude was just a machine. Stat machine, both of them helped me get to where I am now. I'm currently in first place, but that is because I have the Joker, who thankfully I drafted in the first round. Other than that, my team has been a rotating mess right now. Uh, if I had to give some, like, underrated shout-outs, and I don't even know if they're underrated, um, Bam Adebayo has been solid the entire year. Draymond Green, shout-out to Spiel for dropping him, like, week <laughs> one. Man, is just a assist machine. His his um, field goal percentage is usually pretty awful and doesn't score a lot of points, but the assists are always there, thanks to Steph. I will go in the opposite direction. Um, fantasy letdown this year, John Morant. The guy has just not been what he was. I know he was hurt for a portion of times, but the points aren't there. The rebounds aren't there. The assists are, aren't there. Like I feel like his rookie year was probably his best fantasy production year so far. So I have been skirting by by the skin of my teeth. Uh, another guy who I'm disappointed in. I'm just going to talk about my disappointments. Karis Lavert, man. The last couple games have been all right, but this man is notorious for throwing up like just reading off of my phone, 3 of 14 field goals, 5 of 12, 5 of 13. Like, he just throws up a ton of shots. 4 of 14. Throws up a ton of shots and doesn't get a lot of points. Uh, his last couple games have been all right, but I was pumped when I snagged him off the waiver wire, and he's just not performed to what I hoped for. Um, so I am fully expecting to get the one seed and get a first-round exit. Unfortunately. <laughs> So, I'm gonna be, so I'm I, gonna be like the, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks of the playoffs here.
0: We'll see. So I also was like in first place for most of the year, and my best three guys are like still my best three guys: Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving when he wants to play, he's unstoppable, and Dame Dalla. Love Dame Dalla. He Josh, super I'm consistent.
1: convinced like you would get a portrait of yourself like hugging Joel Embiid and Kyrie Irving and
0: Oh and Dame. Living. I'm about to get all three of their faces tattooed on my, like, <laughs> chest. I love them. The, those three guys made this the best fantasy season of my life. But my unsung hero, who is probably the reason why Ja Morant is not getting as many stats, Zach, is Jonas Valanciunas for the Memphis Grizzlies. Absolutely insane, this man. I got him in, like, the seventh or eighth round just like, oh, hey, he's a big guy on a middling team. He'll probably get double-doubles. He gets 25-15 and 15 a night. This dude's insane. Uh, Against Indiana on April 11th, just a couple days ago, 34 points, 22 rebounds. That's insane. That is insane. He's averaging right now, just for the the last month, he's averaging 18.5 points and 14.5 rebounds. Like, to get a guy to average that, that's like Rudy Gobert, Clint Capella kind of numbers. Another guy, unsung hero in the league, Clint Capella, who is an incredible stat guy for anyone who has him. Just, like, in in fantasy basketball, for those who do not play, a guy who can consistently get you a double-double, especially one, like, in, like, the 14-15 range for rebounds, is almost guaranteeing you to win rebounds every week. And I don't usually win rebounds, but I'm close to winning rebounds this week because of Jonas. So, Jonas Valanciunas, a.k.a. Basketball Travis Kelsey, is my guy. Love that man. Um... But I'm sorry, Zach. I think he's the reason why Morant's not getting that many stats because this guy's scoring so much. Boo. And I think the reason why he fell is because Jaron Jackson Jr., who's uh, been on, like, the bench for them because he's been hurt all year, was potentially going to come back at some point, and everyone thought, like, oh, that will cut into Jonas's minutes or whatever. Never came back. He still hasn't come back yet. So Valanciunas has just been riding a wave all, week, all year. Love him. He is, he, like, on in my Mount Rushmore of guys on my team, it's Kyrie, it's Joel Embiid, it's Dame, and then it's Jonas Valančiūnas and then maybe Jamar DeRozan who has also been really good this year. But uh yeah, it's been it's been a hell of a ride. I really enjoyed this fantasy season no matter what happens, win or lose, um don't make the playoffs. It's been fun. Dude, we
1: have to talk about it too cuz like I know like on the podcast as a whole
0: even when I'm not here
1: which everyone talks about our fantasy basketball league, but I think this is the first year ever. And I think what's our fantasy league been like five or six years running now, like where people have been taking it seriously, but this is the first year ever where there's four playoff spots. And literally this is the second to last week and our top six teams. Like we don't know what the seeding is going to be. It is going to be an all out, like free for all. I'm honestly excited to watch basketball all of next week just to see what the matchups are like. I'm going to be glued to my TV (laughs) next Sunday, just like watching our fantasy league being like, holy shit, like somebody is about (laughs) to get absolutely boned. Like somebody is going to probably miss the playoffs, possibly by a half game, which is insane.
2: Yeah. Every single stat is going to matter. Every single turnover, every single assist, every free throw that your players take next week is going to matter. And it's going to be so stressful. I'm going to be up late. I'm going to watch every late game. It's going to be horrible. Yeah.
0: yeah, I had already been watching way. every late game because I also had, like, a lot of guys on my team are, like, West Coast teams, like Dame. And I had Jamal Murray most of the year until he got hurt earlier this week. And so, yeah, I've been staying up to 1 in the morning fucking, like, screaming at my phone because of fantasy. So <laughs> it's been really, it's been really fun. It's been stressful but fun. All right. Well, Mike, you had an idea – Why don't you lay it out for us?
2: Yeah, so uh, when Josh told me that you were coming on today, Zach, we wanted to do something a little fun. So I have something that's kind of similar to what we did when we opened packs, except we just don't have packs of cards. We're going to do a little Who Am I? So I picked three players that are relevant players. They're not obscure, so you might have a chance to guess them. Uh, I'm going to give you three different levels of clues. So obviously the first clue won't tell too much. The second clue will tell a little more. And the third clue, if you don't have it by that, I'll just try to make it really obvious. And we'll see if you guys can uh, guess these guys. This is so bad for me. I'm going to make a fool of myself. But all, all right, right, let's do so, it. <laughs> so, we'll give, so Josh, for each one of these, we'll give Zach the first of attempt. Course. All right. So clue number one for person number one. I, I, I don't know how hard these clues are, so I apologize if they're easier than I thought or if they're just ridiculously hard. Um, first clue, although he only changed teams once, he has actually played for three quote unquote teams. Uh, this year. No, 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 in his career. Sorry, in his career, he's only changed teams once, but he's really played for three. Hmm. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> is I, he currently in the league? Yeah, yeah. These are all current, very relevant.
1: See, I was thinking immediately.
2: Players. Um, no, I'm not even gonna say it. But go ahead. Give me, give me your next clue. <laughs> well, Josh, you have a guess. Is it LeBron? It is not LeBron. LeBron has changed teams more than once. Yeah, I yeah, was going to say. More than once. Yeah, I know. Yeah.
1: I was thinking about somebody who would have been, like,
2: on a team
1: that um got rebranded. Yeah.
0: That's oh, it's so Chris Paul.
2: Up. It is not wow, Chris not Paul. Not Chris no, Paul.
1: Chris Paul's been on a bunch of teams. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. All right, I'll give the you the next clue.
2: All right, he is an NBA champion, but he's never played more than 75 games in a season. Oh, is it Anthony Davis? It is Anthony Davis. There you go. Anthony Davis played for the Hornets before they became the Pelicans. So Zach was on the right track.
1: That's now, right. see, I, I understood it, but for some reason, my mind just went to KD because I know he was technically drafted
2: by the yeah. Uh, Sonics. Sonics. Yeah, and if, if you hadn't gotten that, my last clue was going to make it hopefully pretty obvious. The number one pick in 2012, in his nine-year career, he's averaged almost 24 points per game, 10 rebounds, and two and a half blocks by Anthony Davis. All right, second player. This player this season is the only player in the top 10 for points per game, but is averaging less than three three three-point attempts. So top 10 scorers in the league, only one of them averages less than three threes attempts per game. I have
0: two guys in my head that I know are these type of guys. I'm not sure if they're the top 10 scorers, but
2: I I know these kind of guys. Do you want to take take one guess? I you
0: I want have me no to go idea.
2: first? Well, Zach doesn't know. I don't know. That,
0: you're not even going to give a guess? Come on. <laughs>
2: no, why? <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right, all right. I got two guys. Can I guess both of them?
2: No, just give me one.
0: All right, is it Jimmy Butler?
2: It is not Jimmy Butler. All
0: right, then it's DeMar DeRozan.
2: It is not DeMar DeRozan. Damn
0: it. Oh, I thought that was two. They never all right. take
2: three. So, Zach, maybe this one will help you. He was on the cover of Slam Magazine when he was 16 years old.
1: I have no idea. Josh, does that help
2: you at all?
0: And he never takes threes and he's in like the top of scoring
2: this yep. year. Yep. I think he's number eight. He's number eight. In scoring. But doesn't shoot threes and he was on the cover of a magazine at age sixteen. Slam magazine.
0: Is it Rudy Gobert?
2: It is not Rudy Gobert. Alright, uh, last one. Last clue. He was oh, offered okay. I know what it is. All right, well, let me read this clue, see if Zach gets it from this clue. He was offered a football scholarship by LSU before he chose to go to Duke for basketball.
0: Oh, fuck.
2: I'm so dumb. Zion Williamson? It is Zion Williamson, yep. God damn it. He only averages half a three per game. I thought that was nuts when I saw that.
0: You know, I always forget this because remember in his first ever game as a Pelican, he shot four threes? Yeah. Made them all
2: (laughs) or whatever. I'm
1: still butthurt about drafting Zion last year his injury riddled
2: yeah he just didn't play in the games all right last player this one will be uh, a little i hope fun uh test maybe some history here real quick with the first clue he averaged 44.5 points per game to win two road playoff games before his teammate went on to close out the series
0: LaMarcus aldridge
2: it is LaMarcus aldridge i, uh, to- I just read that like an yeah. hour I wanted to pay homage to LaMarcus Aldridge. So my second clue would have been he changed teams this season and inverted his jersey number. I actually and then, would have gotten that. Yeah, clue number three. He's the all-time leader in rebounds for the Blazers, but only third in scoring behind Clyde Drexler and Dame Lillard. So, yeah, I wanted to give Aldridge a shout-out. But, yeah, it's funny that you just heard that. I actually thought you were going to mention that in the beginning. So I was oh. like, oh, no, if Josh brings up this crazy stat, I'm going to have to come up with a new player. Oh, Dame.
0: That's cool. No, yeah, uh, Lamarcus Aldridge, fantastic player. It's really a bummer. I, I don't know what the Nets are gonna do now. They're they're back to square one. Have you have you can you remember a crazier season for a team than the Brooklyn Nets 2020 2021 season? With the amount of ups and downs there's been. There's
2: Been nothing like this.
0: Like it I'm, is unprecedented.
1: I have a I have a question for you, both of you guys. Like. Let's say that Harden never comes to the Nets. What do you think happens this year? Do you think we missed the playoffs?
2: No, they like, would have figured it out enough to make the playoffs, but they would so, have been like six seed.
1: Okay, so yeah. you think that even with the with the uh, Durant injury for whatever, like whatever it was, 40 days, the Nets still
2: squeak into the playoffs? I was just saying how if you look at the standings, uh, the four through like 10 seed in the East are like 500 or below 500. So I think the Nets would have found themselves in that range.
0: Yeah. You know, I feel like if KD and Harden were healthier for the whole season, we would have seen Kyrie even less. Like it seems like he finds ways to get out of games quite often. Not saying that they're not all legitimate reasons. No, they are they 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 might as well be. But the fact that like the Nets have constantly been shorthanded has almost made it so that one of them had to like find a way to, onto the court. Like luckily The Nets have not really played, I mean, at least post-hardened trade. How many games have they actually played without any of those guys on the court? Was it like twice? Once?
2: I think once. I think the the Jazz game was the only Just the Jazz
0: game was the only time that they've played with with none of them on the court. Yeah. So, you know, this is why you make the hardened trade. It's insurance not only for Kyrie, but for someone's going to be missing a game, always.
2: We're also, I'm, when Zach asked that question, I, I'm picturing this Nets team just take off Harden, but without that trade, we'd still have Levert and uh, Jared Allen, right? So. Yeah, that's true. We'd, we'd have, right. We'd have some bodies.
1: And Torian Prince.
2: Now Levert might be in much more serious health trouble if they didn't trade him because of that. Oh wasn't. shit, yeah. So, yeah. I don't want to look into that, but yeah, Torian Prince would still be there. Um, I think they would have been okay. They would, obviously not. Championship aspirations based on what we saw early in the season, so
1: very interesting though, but as our listeners are going to be listening to this tomorrow um well technically on April sixteenth this is important day because it will be exactly a month until the end of the regular season. so how many games are remaining we have let's see one, two
0: three and that's a thirty seven so 37 and eighteen right now, yep, so that means that they have. 17 games left.
1: 17 games left. What do you guys think? Do they lock up that one seed, or do they let
0: Philly run away with it? Looking at their remaining schedule, they I think do really have... up to Philly. I feel like it's up to Philly. It's up to how much they want to sit Embiid. It's odd right now. I'm wondering how they're going to play Embiid. Because their other guys are actually having really bad games lately. Like, Tobias Harris is apparently kind of has an injury— Ben Simmons' shooting has just, like, disappeared. Like, he has not been scoring well at all. And other guys on the team, too, like Danny Green's been playing really kind of whatever. Uh, Seth Curry's been playing whatever. Like, they're, they're getting their best production from, like, guys like Matisse Tybel and Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton right now. Which is good. I mean, you want your bench players to play well. But, like, the reason why the, the Sixers win games lately is because Embiid is an elite. So if Embiid's going to sit, which he probably should, at least like once or maybe even twice a week for the rest of the season, the Nets can take the one seed. But if he's like gotten his head that he not only wants the one seed, but is trying to make a push for that MVP by potentially playing as many games as possible going into the end of the season, no way. Nets, second seed. I'm going to tell
1: you what, looking at their remaining schedule, really the last, like once they get into the... To really the end of April into May, they don't play many bad teams. You're looking at starting what they play on the 29th of April. Listen to the stretch. This Indiana. Is this stretch is the Nets. Sorry. Those are the Nets. Oh, okay. Indiana, Portland, Milwaukee, in a back-to-back at Milwaukee. Mavs, Nuggets. Chicago, San Antonio, Chicago, then Cleveland. So that is not a very accommodating schedule to end the season, especially considering you know that the Nets are probably going to be trying to rest their superstars. So I actually am looking at the end of the schedule and fully expect them to kind of go into the playoffs with some turbulence.
0: So they have 37 wins right now. How many wins do you think they need to have in order to at least lock up the third seed. Like 43, 44.
2: Yeah, they they they'll have no trouble getting in the top 3. The the 4 seed and below are in a different class.
0: Right. I guess it, I you know, it's it's really like uh up to the like front office like what they're willing to risk for to play a team in the playoffs who is like maybe a tiny bit better or a tiny bit worse.
2: Yeah. The issue with the two-seed versus the one-seed, I know when we throw these numbers out a lot, it's all about home court and the playoffs in that eventual Eastern Conference uh, championship. The problem with the two-seed that I don't think about enough, maybe you guys have been, is the two-seed plays the Bucks in the second round.
1: Yep, that's actually what I've been concerned about.
2: Yeah, the, the one-seed plays either like the Hawks or like maybe the Heat. Obviously, you don't want to play the Heat either. They're a good team. But if the difference is like, Bucks or Hawks, it, it makes a big difference. So I think, I don't think the Nets are worried about their opponent. I think the Nets have enough confidence to say, we'll beat whoever you throw at us. I don't think they're going to get the one seed. I, I do see them sinking at uh, the two, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, you got to play them eventually. If you're not going to play the Bucks in the second round, you might have to play them in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals. So. They're gonna to have to overcome the Sixers or the Bucks at some point in these playoffs, and they're gonna to have to face a good team before them too. They're gonna to have to play at least like the Heat or the Hawks, who are looking really good right now, or even the Celtics are looking really good right now. They're kind of figuring things out. So I don't know. I don't know if like any path that the Nets get, whether it's the first, second, third seed, is actually going to be beneficial to them. They yeah. gotta work hard. They gotta be healthy. That's it.
2: You know what's crazy for us basketball fans is what Zach mentioned earlier. This week and next week for our playoff regular season is huge. Then we have our fantasy playoffs, which is going to be huge. And then as soon as that's over, we have actual NBA playoffs. Like, we have the next two months of incredible basketball. More than that. like Think about that.
1: Like, literally yeah. two weeks from now is what? Like, the, the week of the 25th and on? So, really, you have until, like, July. Yeah. So, like, forever, for, until the end of the NBA season, you're going to have yeah. fantastic basketball. And honestly, I'm excited because, uh, you know, April baseball, as a, you know, diehard Yankee fans, Yankees suck right now. Oh, really? And it's very frustrating, yes. And they're off to a terrible start, but it's April. So, you really can't take anything seriously. So, I have been mm-hmm. all hands on deck watching every Nets game. And,
0: what, uh, month, what month do you start taking shit seriously in baseball? June? Uh,
1: I would say it depends on what – I mean I've been spoiled since 2017. Realistically, the Yankees have been pretty dominant even though they haven't had much success in the playoffs. So I would say June – like mid-June is kind of when like you need to start like – you need to start caring about what's going on. But right now the Yankees are in a slump. Nobody's hitting, but this isn't a Yankee podcast. So, yeah, June. June is All when right. it starts to matter.
0: They play Charlotte tomorrow in Brooklyn. Then yeah. they own a road trip. They're going to play Miami in Miami on Sunday or on Monday, I think. Sunday. I forget which day. Sunday. Kind of and then they way? play New Orleans. On And that's as, far, that's as far forward as I know.
1: And then Wednesday they go at Toronto and then they're back home.
0: Okay. So, so they Toronto's- go
1: Miami, New Orleans, Toronto. Sounds like a great time as as somebody who would love to party in all three of those places who haven't been out of their house in a year. Mm.
0: I don't think anyone's partying. I think they're looking to get some wins. I see them getting the win over Toronto and probably over the Pelicans because the Pelicans look like they don't know how to play the Nets. But I'm interested to see how the Heat game goes because that's that's a potential playoff matchup there. And everyone's healthy on the Heat right now. So we'll see. Anyway... Thanks so much for listening to The Best is Net to Come. Uh, We'll see you next week. Have a good weekend.